Imagine talking to a famous person and not knowing they were famous. As a kid, I sat near Nolan Ryan on an airplane from Atlanta to Dallas. Now, for those of you that don't know, Nolan Ryan is the Major League Baseball all-time strikeout record holder. Over 27 baseball seasons, which is amazing in and of itself, he threw 5,714 strikeouts. Nobody's ever going to get it, right? At the time I sat near him on the airplane, he was still playing for the Houston Astros. And other than the fact that he was wearing a Houston Astros cap, you might not have known. Can you imagine how many people, it was one of the big planes, came up and asked him, Mr. Ryan, can I have your autograph? And you're sitting beside him, and you notice that he's a kind gentleman, that every person, he would stop what he was doing, he would look them in the eye, he would take whatever and sign their autograph and chit-chat with them for a minute, they'd be gone and somebody else would come. I was one of those people as well. But then I had to take note of the lady sitting next to him. After a while, when folks weren't coming to ask for autographs, but I was still kind of watching him because he was one of my heroes, he was Nolan Ryan, right? Uh, the lady says to him something along the lines of, excuse me, sir, what is it that you do? Um, yeah, he's Nolan Ryan. He was wearing the baseball cap, but nobody had a baseball for him to sign on the airplane. By the way, if you want to know what he signed on my autograph, he wrote, throw only fastballs, anybody can hit a curve, Nolan Ryan. I've still got it hidden somewhere in the basement even today. This morning, we consider recognizing the resurrected Savior. This is a whole different league than recognizing somebody who's famous. I mean, when it comes to famous people in our world, there are too many people to know and too much to know, and you can't know them all, right? Other than the fact that they're signing autographs next to you and you just ask who they are and what they do, just like the lady with Nolan Ryan. But when it comes to recognizing our resurrected Savior, we take that up from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 and following. So if you haven't already, turn to your Bibles and Luke chapter 24, verses 13 and following. We find what some of us know and somewhat famously in our Bibles is the walk to Emmaus. As Jesus comes along and walks with two disciples and has a conversation with them. Even though it's historical in what happened, there's some principles we can learn to apply to our life today, which is just the way God's Word is with its timeless truth in Scripture. So if you would please with me, let's pray together, and then we'll move ahead with our Scripture. Our Father in Heaven, we're so very thankful that in the midst of everything that is going on in this world, we can come to Your Word. We consider the situation with covid we consider the situation based on the injustice and the racism and all that that brings to us and the violence and reactions in Minnesota and around our nation and our world now. And our hearts are broken. But Father, it's in times like these that we turn to you. We turn to you and your word for truth, for encouragement, for guidance, and for wisdom. And it's in our walk with Jesus as our personal Savior and Lord that we find those things. So, Father, help us to understand from your word today how we might walk with you daily and what we can learn from you, that we would be more like Jesus, our Savior, we pray. It's in his name. And everyone said, Amen. We'll get to our scripture memory verse of the month uh, in a few minutes when we get to that part of our uh, text, walking with Jesus. And that comes from our first few verses, verses 13 and following. It says in my NIV, now the same day, 
same day, the very day, was Sunday, that Jesus rose from the grave, two of them were on the, going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Let's take that last part first. It's some reason, God knows, that um, when Jesus presented himself to folks in his post-resurrection appearances, like with Mary Magdalene and with the disciples when they were fishing, they didn't recognize him immediately. It may have been that they weren't expecting him. It may have been that he didn't look the same. But it says here, clearly, they were kept from recognizing him. I think it's God's purpose in this case that God wanted them not to be overwhelmed by oh, it's Jesus at first so that they could hear the things he was going to teach him and that later they would recognize him. But let's go back to verse 13 that very same day. So Jesus has resurrected from the dead. He has shown himself to Mary Magdalene. Uh, the disciples have seen the empty tomb. Many have heard the angels speaking. There's been this cover-up by the Jewish leaders and the Roman soldiers that's already unfolding and taking place. And the disciples that knew about this went and told the others. So these two men, we would presume, one of them is named Cleopas and the other is unnamed. These two people were walking to a different village about seven miles away. And of course, they're having a conversation. This was not the normal news of the day. This wasn't Lincoln, Nebraska, slow news day, heaven knows what's on Channel 8 or Channel 10, uh, and you go, oh, it's good to live in a place like Lincoln. Easy news day. This was like, could you believe this happened? That he actually did rise from the grave, and he uh, did appear to Mary Magdalene, and the angel did speak to the disciples, and all the kind of conversation that these men would be having as they walked along. Now, notice there in verse 14, they were talking with each other about everything that happened in verse 15, and they talked and discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Now, how cool is that, right? You are walking, having a conversation, and Jesus himself walks along with you. Now, they know, as we already talked about verse 16, they don't know that it's Jesus yet, but he's walking with them. As Christians, we use this phrase, kind of our Christianese, about your walk with Jesus, right? And where does that come from? Well, it comes from the Bible. The Bible uses a word in Greek, peripateo, that means to walk, but it's been translated in a figurative sense to live. And so it's walking the walk as a Christ follower, living the life as a Christ follower. And of course, then that phrase that we use at Southview, other than just saying a Christian, but using the phrase Christ follower that has that image in it of walking alongside or following Jesus. And it has implied obeying Jesus and learning from him as an apprentice, a student, a learner, a disciple. And so that's exactly what we have pictured here, that these people who are already followers of Jesus and identified as disciples of Jesus, now can Jesus draw near, the Greek word is, to come alongside them, to walk with them from one village to the other. And what happens next is pretty cool as it unfolds. But 
Let's get to your first principle. Your first principle on your outline there is talking about Jesus is an invitation for Jesus. Talking about Jesus is an invitation for Jesus. In our passage of Scripture, it's a literal invitation for Jesus. Uh, I don't know how God and His design sovereignty was planning this. If He's sitting up in heaven going, hmm, let's see for an opportunity for Jesus to show up. Oh, wait, there's those guys walking for Amazus. Jesus, get down there, man. I don't know how that went, right? But one way or the other, God in His sovereignty puts Jesus in this conversation. But it brings a principle that applies to us today. That when we talk about Jesus in our lives, when we bring him up in conversation, hey, I was reading my Bible today and I found out this, or, you know, uh, I was at church the other day and my pastor said this, or I heard on the radio this Christian song and it said this. It immediately brings Jesus to the fore. And then the other people in our lives can't ignore that because they're courteous, they're nice for the most part. And when we enter into a certain realm or avenue of conversation, they're going to go with us. But here's the cool thing. It's not like talking about the Huskers. It's not like talking about the weather. It's not like talking about what's going on at work with the other folks around the water cooler. When you invite Jesus into a conversation, you're inviting the supernatural. Keep in mind what Revelation 3.20 says. It says that Jesus is speaking. He says, I stand at the door and knock. And if you open the door, I'll come in and dine with you. In other words, Jesus is saying, you give me an invitation, I'm going to enter. That's the principle for us to note from our first point here. When we talk about Jesus, it's an invitation for Jesus to enter our life and enter our conversation with others. That's how, though this is a historic story that actually happened, it applies to our lives today. Which begs the question, that first question on your outline, is how often do I talk about Jesus? If my conversations about Jesus are an invitation for Jesus to come in, then shouldn't I talk about Jesus more? Shouldn't I bring him up with my friends, with my family, with folks I meet in general? Is he part of my life? And if he is part of my life, why don't I talk about him? You know what? If you spend time with him, if you read the Bible, if you pray, if you have a personal relationship with him that is living and vibrant because he wants it to be, he died on the cross to enter into a love relationship with you, then you should be talking with him or talking about him. And when you talk about him, others will be invited into that. So that's our first point. point, And that is talking with Jesus. Verses 17 through 24, talking with Jesus. He, Jesus, asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? Notice how Jesus enters the conversation, even though he's divine and may have known, by asking a question. He doesn't tell them something to begin with. He asks them something to see where they're at. That's a great way to enter a conversation is with a question. Jesus is a wonderful model for us. But notice what it says at the end of verse 17. They stood still, their faces downcast. Now, they don't yet know who they're talking to. But when he asks them this question, because it makes them think about the fact that Jesus isn't here anymore, and they're not sure about his resurrection, even though they've heard the testimony of Mary Magdalene and the other disciples, their faces are downcast. They're discouraged. They've got all these questions, and they don't have the answers. They're anxious. They're worried. They may even be fearful. You and I know how that feels. I mean, we're in the midst of COVID. And even though we're kind of normalized to it now and we wear our mask and we wash our hands and all those sort of things, we're looking forward to getting back to the way that it was. But notice verse 18. One of them named Cleopas asked him, 
Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? I don't think Cleopas was being rude. This was such big news that everybody had heard about it. But again, notice Jesus doesn't upbraid him. I love that word, upbraid. Great word. Look it up. Verse 19, he says, what things? He asked about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all people. And then notice how they go on to explain about Jesus. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. Verse 21 now. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. We had hoped. Now, they may be speaking about just the two of them, but they're probably speaking about all the disciples or Christ followers together, that it was our collective hope that he would redeem Israel. But it probably is that they didn't understand that redemption or they didn't understand the resurrection yet because they're discouraged, right? We had hoped he would be the one to redeem Israel. Well, it doesn't seem that way is what they're thinking. And that notice then the end of verse 21. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. Hmm. Verse 22. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it as the women had said, but they him they did not see. So these guys must not have heard from Mary Magdalene in the eyewitness testimony, but they had heard from the women that came first and the disciples that went second. My point was talking with Jesus. When we have a conversation with Jesus, Jesus enters into that conversation with us. And in the case of these guys, they're expressing what they know about him, and it opens the door for him to tell some other things. So your second principle and your second point in your outline is that we should always be ready to tell people about Jesus. Always be ready to tell people about Jesus. Did you notice how easy it was for Cleopas to talk about Jesus? Because he had been in conversation about Jesus when he enters into an actual conversation with Jesus, not knowing it, it immediately comes out. He can recount the things as he knew them and invite Jesus into that story as if he didn't know what was going on. Jesus was already on his tongue. Jesus was already on his mind, and Jesus was in his heart. That's why he was discouraged. We had hoped that he would be the Messiah. Always be ready. 1 Peter 3.15 tells us to give a defense for the hope that is within us, to give an answer to anyone that asks, which leads us to our second question on your outline. And that question is, what can I share about Jesus what can I share about Jesus? Um, anything? The most important thing? That Jesus loved you and died for you and will save you of all your sins? You can share those things. But it may be that it's given the situation. That, you know, you're not just walking around with all your Bible verses in your mind and everything you've ever learned looking for situations like a, uh, you know, uh, just to go into, but given the issue that a person faces, you can share a scripture. You can share a testimony. Given the concern that a person has, you can pray with them and that you can share about Jesus given the situation that you face because you're ready because you've walked with him and you are walking with him and you're going to invite somebody else to do the same. So that's our second point, walking with Jesus. But notice where they're going next. Our third point 
is learning from Jesus. Learning from Jesus. That's verses 25 through 27. Look with me now in your Bibles, verses 25 through 27. He said to them, so Jesus, how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Now that translation, how foolish, may be a little harsh. Um, It probably is better said how dull of mind, not how foolish, i.e. like he's calling them fools and he's shaking his finger at them or anything. But let's go on. Verse 26. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? So he's asking them a question again, a rhetorical question for them to go oh yeah because these believers are probably jewish ancestry jesus knew that by their appearance or by the language they were speaking and so he calls them back to think about everything they know from their scripture what we know as the old testament that oh yeah this is true and then notice what it says in verse 27 and beginning with moses and all the prophets he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, how cool is that? You're seeing advertisements probably on the internet now about a master class with so-and-so about such-and-such, right? Jesus himself is giving a master class in Christology. Christology is the theology of Christ, right? So he is giving a systematic, chronological walk through scriptures, explaining to these two guys exactly where this scripture and this scripture and this incident and that incident point to him so that they would know that Jesus is the Messiah. And guess what? He's about to show them that it's him. So that question or excuse me, that third point, learning about Jesus, brings us then to our scripture memory verse for the month. And let's say that together. That's Luke 24, 25, and 26. Luke chapter 24, verse 25 through 26. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Luke 24, verses 25 through 26. Thanks. That brings us to our third principle. The third principle is when Jesus speaks, I should listen. When Jesus speaks, I should listen. If you're old enough, you remember that, you know, old commercial when E.F. Hutton speaks, people listen. Now, if you don't know who E.F. Hutton is, Google it. Watch a, a YouTube video about it or something, right? But all of us know that sort of person in our family, in our workplace. It's the person that's probably as thoughtful a little more quiet in conversation, and they're thinking through things. But when everybody else has exhausted the conversation, particularly if it's about something that's divisive or something that's controversial, when that person speaks up, everybody leans forward a little bit and says, what does this person have to say? Their word carries more weight because of their character and the credit we give them. When Jesus speaks, I should listen. That's why if you have a Bible that has red letters, you should pay attention. That's why if you're doing a Bible reading plan, I certainly encourage you to read all the Bible. But I love the one I'm using right now because it has some Old Testament, it has some Psalms, and it has a little bit of the gospel every day in my Bible reading. So I can see Jesus speaks that I might listen. That leads us to our third question. Your third question on your outline is how well do I pay attention to Jesus? If I've said, if Jesus speaks, I should listen... Certainly, I should ask the question, well, how well am I paying attention? Well, that depends, right? 
That depends on my need. That depends on my mood. That depends on my mind. That depends on my heart. But keep in mind what the Bible says. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That Jesus speaks to us the words of life. We should be paying attention. We should be daily reading our Bible. We should be daily praying. We should be regularly memorizing, meditating, studying scriptures that Jesus might speak to us. So our three points so far is walking with Jesus, talking with Jesus, learning from Jesus. I wish we knew everything that he said to them. But now we get to our fourth point today, and that's recognizing Jesus This is the cool part of the scripture. If everything else hasn't been cool enough, this is cool. Verse 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Emmaus, Jesus acted as if he were going further. Now, this isn't that he was playing. This isn't that he was faking them out. Uh, This is actually Jesus wanted their invitation to go further with him. Remember, Jesus is a gentleman. Verse 29, but they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Verse 31, Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Then their eyes were opened. Isn't that amazing? I don't know if it was the way that he broke the bread or the way that he said the words. Like Mary Magdalene when he called her by name that then she knew it was him. But something about it that God divinely, miraculously opened their eyes then. And then it says in the end of verse 31, he disappeared from their sight. You could go, dude, bummer. Why would God do that? Why would he after all this? Well, the point was not that it was himself in that miraculous appearance and disappearance. Verse 32, they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? It's as if they knew it was him because of the way he taught them, but it, they weren't sure it was him and their eyes weren't fully open to it being him until he broke the bread and offered the prayers. I pray you've had some of those moments in your life. In prayer on your own, reading your Bible on your own, singing on your own, or certainly in prayer with a group or studying scripture with others, or obviously singing with a group. That's one thing I'm so looking forward to next week when we get to gather together for worship, even though we'll be singing through Mass, that we'll be here in the same room worshiping together again. And those moments when you know God is with you and God is real, they're so real, they're palpable, you can feel it, your body has a sensation, and you just know. We look forward to that. Our fourth principle, not to be too critical to these guys walking along, but your fourth principle on your outline today is Jesus' presence isn't always evident. There are those moments when Jesus' presence is palpable and is evident. But there are other times in our life when we're walking along going, God, where are you? And he's going, I'm right here with you. And it may be that there's something in our life our sinfulness, our stubbornness that is blocking our experience or our perception of God's presence with us. Or it may be that it seems that he's withdrawn his presence from us even though he's with us because he wants us to seek him more. There could be many reasons for that. But we need to remember what the Bible says. 
I will never leave you or forsake you. That God is always with us. He is ever present, even if his presence is not always evident. Some of you may be going through a time right now where the isolation of COVID, where finances of COVID, where health related to COVID or something else that is strained because of our situation now has caused you to question God's presence with you. Let me assure you that he is with you. And let's pray together that you'll know and feel and experience his presence with you. That fourth question on your outline is how am I sure it's Jesus? Well, that goes back to that idea of recognizing somebody's voice. If you spend enough time with them and they call you on the phone, even if the caller ID doesn't say that it's them, you recognize their voice. Have you ever accidentally hugged the wrong person? My wife has had that happen here at church where someone walked up thinking she was someone else and called them by the other person's name and said, oh, you're not that person. It was a little embarrassing for the two of them, but they look similar. And beyond our embarrassment, we can know when it's Jesus. If we listen, if we're humble, if we confess, if we spend time with him, we know that God loves us. We know that he'll lead us. We'll know that he will speak clearly to us, that he wants us to experience his presence, that he might guide us and we might walk with him. So our fifth and final step today, we've Spend time with Him. We've learned from Him. We've clearly recognized His presence in our life. So what are you going to do about it? When God is with you and when you are walking with Jesus and when you are His follower, what are you going to do about it? Well, what do the disciples here do about it? They give us an example, and that's your fifth and final point, and that is testifying about Jesus. Testify is a fancy word to give witness to, to tell others about, right? To talk about Jesus, testifying about Jesus, and that's in verse 33. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. I find it interesting that just moments before they had said to Jesus, it's late, you need to come stay with us. You know, it's evening time. You don't need to travel now. But now all of a sudden that they know it was Jesus, they're like out the door, baby, and running seven miles back to Jerusalem. I wonder how fast their 10K time was, you know. Anyhow, they, 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 they get back on their way to Jerusalem. What's it say there? They found the 11, uh, the apostles, and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen as appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Amazing. Your fifth principle is that good news can't wait. Something good can't wait, can it? I mean, the hardest thing in the world is wait to tell everybody that you're pregnant and that there's a new baby on the way or a new grandbaby. I mean, when you get a new job or a new car or a promotion at the job you have or a clean bill of health from your doctor, if you've had folks praying for it, these are things that are all good news and you want to tell someone. It should be the same with Jesus. When Jesus has so transformed our life that we ought to be always in the mood or able to tell others about him. Which asks one final question, the fifth and final question on your outline. Natural point of conclusion for us based on this scripture is who should I discuss Jesus with? We all have someone or someones we know who are not yet followers of Jesus. 
And we know that the Bible tells us that he doesn't want anybody to perish, but all to come to eternal life. And so it's up to you and I to be witnesses, to share testimony, to talk about Jesus. You remember in our building that we put name tags on the water fountain out there. People we were going to invite to consider a relationship with Jesus. We were going to invite them to church. We were going to invite them into a relationship with us. That one of our values as a church is gospel sharing. Sharing the good news about Jesus. And that's where this sermon leads us. When you walk with Jesus... When you talk with Jesus, when you learn about Jesus, when you recognize who he is in your life, that the natural outcome ought to be that you want to tell others about him. I pray that you do. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so very much for your word and this amazing story of the walk to Emmaus and how Jesus himself appeared to these two disciples, and how Jesus himself taught these two disciples about Scripture so they would see clearly that he was and that he is the risen Messiah. So, Father, I pray that we, too, would spend time with Jesus in such a way that who he is and what he's done would come naturally from us, and that we would be in conversations with others, and that he would be invited into those conversations naturally, and folks would be changed by the power and the love of Jesus in their life, just like we have been. So we thank you, Father, for your presence among us today. And we thank you for speaking to us to your word today. And I pray that all of us are encouraged. And in this coming week, Jesus would be on our minds, on our hearts, and on our lips. And that we would invite others to consider him. We thank you, God, for all these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, friends, thanks again for joining us here at Southio Baptist Church in our online worship. Remember, next week we get to end this odyssey that's been 12 weeks now of recorded messages that you watch at home on Sunday morning or whenever you can watch them. And next week we will gather together once more for in-person worship. We'll be emailing you and contacting you a couple different times through the week with our guidelines for coming back in to worship together. We'll be social distanced. We'll uh, wear masks and all those sort of things to demonstrate our love for one another. And those that can't come back, we're going to have live stream available for you. Just like we've learned a few things about recording, we're going to learn with live streaming along the way. We're still waiting for some technology pieces to arrive, but we're going to do the best we can with what we got, and we're in this together to the very end, aren't we? Thank you, church family. We love you, church family. Look forward to seeing you all as we're able in the weeks ahead. God bless you.